Core Confidence Life. Life. Welcome to the Core Confidence Life Personal Development Podcast. I am your host, Dennis, broadcasting to you right here in New York City. If you want to learn more about our podcasts or think about becoming a guest or look at back episodes, you can do such a thing by going to cclpodcast.com. That is cclpodcast.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media, and that is going to be at Facebook, it's going to be at Instagram, even though we don't really use it that much, right? It's going to be on Twitter and all over the place. Be sure you do that. You can also find us on Apple and Spotify and Google Podcasts and everywhere you get podcasts, almost. All right, on today's program... We are, we have a very interesting guest here. Uh, you know, we are a program that discusses practical and metaphysical uh, methods to have a healthy sense of manhood here at Core Confidence Life. And today is no different as we dive deep into this world of spirits and metaphysics. Uh, I'm sure that you've heard of the Dalai Lama, but did you know that there's a whole tradition? of master lamas that stretches back thousands of years. Well, on today's program, we have someone, Master Lama Rasaji. He is part of the Master Lama order, and he is on the program to talk to us about what a master lama is, what is his personal role, and how far back the master lama tradition reaches. All right. Not only do we get a history lesson on that, but we dive into spirituality. And uh, it's a, it's a it's a deep conversation. But the things that stuck out for me, um, as I tell it to you, is the relationship between you and everything in the world. Uh, one of my questions is always, how can we get people to embody their mind, body, and spirit? And so, what is your relationship? to the world, right? What is your relationship to yourself? What is your relationship to money, right? What is your relationship to nature? What is your relationship to friendships? So we get into that, how we can align ourselves, mind, body, and spirit. Um, and also we'll be unlearning certain things like the separateness of all of us. There is no such thing as separateness. That's an illusion. We'll be talking about that. And as we always do in these spiritual conversations, we've got to tackle the complex around money. Money is not evil, but somehow, somehow, a lot of spiritual practices, religions and other spiritual practices seem to, people seem to come across this idea that money is evil, but it's not. And we'll address all that. Anyway, we've got a lot on our plate here on the program, uh, and so we're going to get right to it with Master Lama Rasaji right after this. Hi, I'm Charlene Bowden, 
host of the It's Just Us radio show, president and founder of It's Just Us Productions. It's Just Us Productions is a cross-media company that produces radio and TV programs that are heard and seen by national and international audiences. Visit our website at ijuproductions.com, follow us on social media, and tune in on the first and third Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the It's Just Us radio show on the Artist First radio network. How are you today, Master Lama Rasaji? I am doing fabulous, Dennis. I'm excited about being with you and your audience. And uh, we're living in a kind of amazing times, but I'm very happy to be here. Oh, well, happy to have you here, too, sir. So, like, you know, the first thing we're going to get into is this Master Llama thing. So tell us about who you are. What do you do? And, and a quick summary of what a master llama is. Uh, there are 36 llamas active in our order, which is based out of southern Tibet. Lama series been around for over 3,000 years. And there are 24 of the llamas that are normally dedicated with the training that we do. We kind of set the standard of our Tai Chi Gung training and 12 of those 24 lamas of which I am one, a master lama is we're responsible for two or more countries. And then just a few months ago, I was named global spokesperson for the Lama Seria itself uh, based on the internet exposure that we were uh, having uh, with different people. So I've been uh, training for about 52 years, and I've been teaching for about four decades. And basically, uh, the core of what we do is uh, work with people's health and, uh, and try to connect them. Uh, the original master 3,000 years ago was in a situation in India where he looked around at the time and he noticed that People were very interested in spiritual things, but it seemed to be almost nobody was interested in keeping the physical body around for a long time. And after reading and studying many scriptures, he felt that if God is God, God is in the physical just as much as he's in anywhere else. He's in the third dimension, just like he's in the fifth dimension. And so he thought that learning how to take his three yoga disciplines, hatha yoga, stretching and conditioning yoga, and pranayama yoga, the ability not only to breathe oxygen, but to breathe energy. And then the kundalini yoga, which was uh, chakra yoga, energy yoga. He thought that if he learned, he could interact. So he went to China, began to have visions of China, and he trekked into China, and he spent a decade at a time at different elements of nature, like uh, for about 10 years, he was could have been seen doing his yoga by the riverbanks of the Yangtze River. Uh, for about 10 years, he was up in the mountains and, and then different times he was in the forest and in the woods. If you can imagine how beautiful some parts of mainland China are today, Dennis, just imagine how it was 3,000 years ago when you know, it was no industry. I mean, literally, you could drink right out of the rivers. And uh, what he found was, 
is that each element of nature had its own intrinsic energy value that we call chi, the chi and tai chi gong. And he thought that moving a certain way, his mental attitude and focus being a certain way and breathing a certain way, he learned that he could milk the energy into what he called his energy body. Some people referred to it as spirit or the auritic field. And he could stimulate the function of that body, which in turn kind of supercharged, if you will, the physical body like a battery. And over a period of time, he began to surrender to nature and kind of made nature for about five decades his guru, if you will. And then after that, one day he was soaked out by a general of an emperor of the Middle Kingdom at the time. And this emperor had a neuromuscular malady. And the general had heard about this holy man from India and thought that maybe he could assist the emperor in some healing. So he began to work with the emperor, and the emperor ended up living about 25 years longer than the Chinese herbal doctors of the time, and the acupuncture physicians thought that he could. And then after that time, he felt like his degree of teaching needed to take on a new level. So he said, you know, when I'm in China, I'm experiencing the four seasons of nature. Um, you know, I'm experiencing the fall and the winter and the spring and the summer. That what we call the circle of life. That's why our um, our our um, the chatting room is referred to uh, our channel as a circle of life. He said, but what if I went up into the Himalayas where there's really no four seasons, One if, where winter is eight to nine months long, and could I learn to create that balance through movement and meditation inside myself that over the last five to six decades I had learned to do in China itself? So it was said that he went up and he spent decades in meditation and was able to create that balance on the inside. And then when that time came, he had a vision of teaching 12 people to duplicate these teachings and what effect would that have on humanity? So that was the, the start of our system and the beginning of our Lama Siri Dennis. Oh, that's a very interesting uh, history there talking about the, uh, inhaling i like what you're talking about inhaling the energy your energy body uh right. because you know we we got those three dimensions here on the planet and uh a lot it is true that a lot of people who uh, find themselves going down the spiritual road seem to neglect some of the more material aspects such as the physical body such as material goods and and finances and wealth um I, and i I come across people who, when they just enter the spiritual awareness, you know, it is common for them to shun those things. Why, why, why would you think that that would be? Uh, when I, I think it's, it, there's two ways that I can explain that. One overlaps with the both, and you're right on target with the question. And that is um, part of it when they started, um, 
they were of the mindset that only way to have a spiritual experience or embrace spirituality and the divine is that you had to release the physical body. And see, when I was young, I was very, very ill. My first out-of-the-body experience actually happened on the operating table in 1968. I had major kidney surgery. And as I went under anesthesia, there was a part of my conscious mind that never went to sleep. And I remember I was very nervous and scared And I wanted to try to alert the doctors, please don't do any form of surgery on me because I'm going to be able to feel this because I don't know what's happened, but your anesthesia has not completely knocked me out. And at that time, I remember a part of my conscious mind rising above the lights and the operating. The next thing I know, I was seeing these beings full of light and energy And I realized at the time I was meeting for the first time the Master Lama that I was going to train with physically, I was meeting in spiritual form. Well, over the next four or five years, I had numerous out-of-the-body experience. And for the longest time, I thought the same way that these beings were thinking 3,000 years ago, the way to spirituality had little to nothing to do with the body. Then one day, 1975, I met the very being that I met out of the body, in the body. And this is a key. Everything with me began to change. As I embraced this art of Tai Chi Gong, I began to realize it wasn't about getting everything out of the body. It was about purifying your spirit and bringing as much of your soul, we call sharat, in Sanskrit, into the body. And just like Albert Einstein had said, you know, we're probably only using about 10 to 15% of our facility. But what would happen if we were able to bring more of the energy and light of our soul in our body? And what would happen if we strengthen our spirit to support that mechanism and in a sense, recreate ourselves and honor what Master Rabbi Jesus called. That's the reference we make to him in the Lama series. He talked about a second birth. He said that one birth, we're born of the woman, and that's through water. But there was a second birth born of the fire. And that second birth in Ancient India was referred to as the Kundalini experience. And so what we found out was that people are supposed to go through this experience as natural as going through puberty. Not only that, if we're in what's referred to as the golden age, that actually is what is happening is that when we hit puberty is the chance when the endocrine gland system, we kind of look at as the black cable on the battery. And then the chakras are our psychic endocrine gland system are supposed to correspond together. And in the process for us to go through this Kundalini experience, but not in a drastic way, in a very loving and balanced way. And when we do, it awakens other facilities within the glands, 
within the organs themselves and also activates things like in the frontal lobes of the brain. What begins to happen back to the Einstein story is we start using another 10 to 15% of our facility that to most of the human race is unknown. See, the Lama theory looks at the golden age like this. You can wait for the golden age to come, but it kind of keeps you in a victim kind of state of mind if you do that. Or, or you can bring the golden age to you. The kingdom of heaven is available to anyone that wants to do enough work on themselves to bring it back. And to answer the other part of your question, it's kind of naive to believe that the kingdom of heaven, Dennis, would come to earth and it wouldn't need to be financed. So the funny thing of it, when I was growing up, like a lot of kids went to church. My uncle was a primitive Baptist minister. And I was drilled all the time in rural Tennessee, where you get, I get this Southern accent from, that I was damned and I was a poor and I was sinner. And the only way to be spiritual was to realize I was going to be poor and that I had been damned and that I'm going to be a sinner forever. And then, you know, growing up in a household where a mom favorite thing to do was wash clothes and watch soap boxes. And anybody know that anybody watching soap boxes for any period of time needs a spiritual lobotomy after a while just to do that. It was amazing. It was when I got in Tibet that I answered that question. I remember the first year at the end of my first year of training in Tibet, it was my fourth year of training in Tai Chi Gong, and I was going from an instructor to an adept ship, and they took me to a mountain top, and I spent 45 days doing Tai Chi, yoga, and meditation, and I saw no other human being. What was remarkable, I was 19 going on 20 years old at the time, and I remember on the 46th day, the Lama came to get me, and we're walking down the mountaintop. And I thought up until that time that the fear of death was the greatest fear. I already knew that public speaking was a greater fear, but I then realized what the real fear was of myself, and that was the fear of embracing a fearlessness life, an abundant life, that Master Rabbi Jesus had promised to us if we were willing to become accountable and take spiritual responsibility. So now what we're seeing is we are seeing the greatest shift of wealth, Dennis, that we have seen, that the Lamasary has seen in 3,000 years, and that is from darkness to the light, to the unconscious, to the conscious. This is why I love the things like what you are doing with your podcast and how you're empowering people because the Lama series is all about the empowerment of the individual, Dennis. The empowerment of the individual. And so I like the, um, the thing about merging all those dimensions, your spiritual, your, your physical, you know, the, the psychological, merging them all together. And so 
How would one go about that? Let's say they listen to this podcast and go, oh, okay, he's got a llama on. Oh, and you're talking about all this spirituality and this Kundalini and this Tai Chi, all these things. So if someone's just stumbling upon it for the first time, can you, how does someone go about moving into this spiritual uh, space? Things, yeah, it's a great question. And it's more natural than the world would teach us. I remember coming down that mountain that day, the Lama looked at me and said, Versace, you seem to be very puzzled. What are you thinking? I said, well, you know, master, I'm 20 years old and I've had this four-year experience with you. And I'm just wondering, what am I supposed to do? How am I going to share it? And then who's going to listen to a 20 or 21-year-old kid, right? And he says, oh, you want to know how to get there fast. I thought, 45 days on the mountain might have slowed you down a little bit. He said, but let me tell you what I want you to start doing. Look at what the world is doing and do the opposite. And I got to tell you, Dennis, over the, over the years, especially with what's been thrown at the world the last, let's say, 12 to 24 months. See, what we found is that the more unconscious a human being is, it takes great contrast to wake up that person if they're really deeply in a slumber, right? See, when you're more consciously aware you can pick up on the subtleties of life. Things can be real subtle and you can pick that up. But when you're not attuned or atoned, you won't. So I was told that we're in the second gear of ascension. And that happened about the 17th century. You know, a lot of enlightened beings showed up somewhere between 1500 and 2500 years ago. And we were supposed to be what's called in India, in the Kali Yuga. Yuga sounds like yoga. It means age or the air we were in. And the old sayings of scripture is light entered the darkness and the darkness knew it not. Well, what happened is about 17th century, we hit the second gear of that turnaround as the conscious level of earth is emerging back into this golden age or 5D vibration. So the funny thing of it is, is every day you and me, we go outside. Well, it's a little easier to ascend today than it was yesterday because of the return force that's hitting our energy body every day. But the key of it is, is along with this ascending energy is that we need to know how to balance this energy. We need to know how to ground this energy and how to center this energy. So Tai Chi Gong, uh, one of the things I would recommend is that people can go to Rasaji.com, R-A-S-A-J-I.com. They can get my first book for free. They can become a part of free email list. And every day, as you know, I put out a little five, six minute motivational video of the day called the Daily Lama. And they can start to embrace the concepts. In my first book, there are nine chapters. The first chapter is how you connect to the energy itself. And what is your relation 
to that energy. And then the next four chapters are, what is your mind's relationship to the chi and what can it do to use to enhance it and focus that chi? What is your breath relation to chi? The next chapter, are you breathing just oxygen or do you also know how to breathe energy itself? Because once you do, everything changes. The third, the next chapter is, do you know how to move in such a way that enhances again the energy? And then the last chapter of the first half of the book is there are not one kind of nutrition that the human is able to absorb, but there are three levels of nutrition. There's, of course, DNA. We do drinking good water. We do taking nutritional supplements. There's DNA nutrition that we get from food and drink. It's also psychic nutrition. And that's what the first Lama understood when he was in having a relationship every day with the sun, when he was having a relationship with the moon, with earth, water, air, and fire, the four basic elements. He realized that his psychic endocrine gland system had a connection to this energy and that the more that he consciously interwoven with this energy, the less DNA nutrition that he did. And one thing he caught real quickly, it was that this concept of overeating was actually suppressing the psychic energy body from doing its basic function. And the easiest way not to overeat was to embrace that level of nutrition. The third level of nutrition we talked about earlier, how much of your sharat and your soul is actually embedded in your body, working through your central nervous system, working through the energy pathways that acupuncture physicians call meridians. Because when you start doing that, it's at one level. But if you go all the way through the second birth and have the full kundalini experience, this physical body and this energy body now is interwoven. It's incredible. Now, after you get this in the first half of my book, then we talk about what is your energy relation to work? How do you earn money by the sweat of your brow, like it says in Genesis, right? Number two, what is your money doing to earn money? Because the first way is the yang way, and the second way is the yin way, earning money residually or through investments, even if they have, most people don't. And then the next chapter is, what is your energy relationship with human beings? Do you even have quality human relationships that promote your chi, or are you in toxic relationships that deplete your chi? And then the final chapter is, what is your relationship to nature? Do you have one? And if you're not having one, the quickest way to heal the spirit, the mind, and body is to take ref 
references from the sages before us. I mean, why did all the sages before us spend time in nature before they went in their open ministry? Or when they got tired, what did they do? They said, I'm going to push away from the table of life. I'll see you later, disciples and apostles. I'm going into the desert. I'm going to the Dead Sea. I'm going to the mountains, but I'm going to go on a retreat and I'm going to nourish my spirit, mind, and body, which in India they call the true chanda. My spirit, mind, and body are but one, Dennis. Mm, now that, that's This is excellent stuff. I love how you just kind of outlined the relationship, the energy relationship we have with different elements of life. The, you know, because as a, as a coach, um, I speak about this often. What, what is our relationship to, like you said, money, finance? A lot of finance coaches really touch on. What do you think about money? What is your relationship to money? Um, well, also, yeah. yeah, also then the relation, what's your relationship to humans, humankind? Who do you have in your in your energetic circle? That's a big topic of the conversation. And of course, nature. So th this is all great. So when people come and they want to work with you, um, what do you do to assess where they are on their journey and how do you start with them? Well, and that's the neat thing. So what we've done, we set up a two-tier platform of where, and we're getting ready to set up a third tier platform, as a matter of fact, and that's all going on it as we speak with the upgrading of our website, Risaji.com, and our channel, uh, which is on the My Patriot Network, which is called The Circle of Life. So they can be a part of our community for free, read the book for free, get some basic exercises and start with it. Now, all of a sudden, let's say that they decide, you know what, I want to get a little bit more serious about this. We've got a very uh, low-grade membership of where they can have weekly webinars with us, where we do we we do a two-hour workshop every Friday, where we I speak a spiritual message that's kind of the theme of the week from my five to six minute videos. We go into actual nuts and bolts training where we actually do some breathing exercises. We do some meditation and we do about 20 to 40 minutes of some of the Tai Chi Gung exercises. And then the final 20 to 30 minutes, we do a Q&A and we answer those people questions. Now, in the process of this, this has been going on about four or five months. And this is based on me teaching for 40 years. And we have a lot of people who are coming to me today and says, you know what? I want to be a certified Tai Chi Gong instructor. I want to experience this on a deeper way. And we keep telling people the impact that, you know, not only do people see the benefits when they start to practice the exercises of dentists with themselves, there's no way to practice these exercises that it doesn't spill over to your whole household or to the office where you work. And when you get as much as 108 people, which is the same number as the amount of mala beads or prayer beads on these prayer beads in a given metropolitan city, and they're practicing these exercises, 
Well, you see some really nifty things happen, Dennis. You start seeing politicians be replaced from negative to positive. You see corporate people reaching in their pocket and doing more generous things than they've done before. You see churches and synagogues opening up to do more for the poor and offer education, you know, starting to teach people how to fish. We got to remember during Master Rabbi Jesus's time in the Piscean age, that was the time. It was really the time of charity. It's not that charity and generosity is not needed. Definitely generosity today more than charity. And there's a very difference in those energy frequencies. But what is more needed in this Aquarian age is people need to learn how to fish. And that's what we're all about. Learn how to fish. But in the nine chapters of the book, you can put the, the first chapter is the hub. We can look at those eight chapters as the wheel. And most people will view those chapters and go, oh, well, you know, I have a nice, healthy spoke in this part of the wheel, Dennis, but I have just a nub over here. You know, I'm making some money, but boy, my human relationship, it kind of stinks. And it's kind of like the way people used with knowledge and spirituality before Boganathar, the first Lama, came along. And that is, guys, it's about balance. It's about do you have a life? If you've got the balance, for instance, we're getting ready to go into early signs of Mercury retrograde again. We we refer to the retrograde and the direct flows of Mercury as the yin and yang cycles that are happening. So we call the retrograde the yin cycle. And what happens is people see outer symptoms that are happening, even though the peak of retrograde is not happening to after the full moon of this month. But spiritually aware people started feeling this a couple of weeks ago because they get it early in and they get it early out. Well, Tai Chi Gong says, what's going on with Mercury retrograde? Well, go to any trauma hospital unit and ask them what the full moon is like 24 hours before, 24 hours of, and 24 hours after. Ask them on any given month, 13 uh, moons of the year, what is those 72 hours like? And any resident phys uh, physician that has ran an emergency room or a trauma unit, they will tell you, if you don't think things go crazy then and that are happening, or a 911 policeman, they will tell you. Now, watch this. When we go into retrograde, it's like having full moon for 21 days. Now, imagine what that's doing. So, we say the yin cycle means to go within. So what happens is the normal flow of chi is up the back and down the front. It's what the acupuncture physicians call up the back, the governing vessel, the conceptional vessel, or the circle of life. But when we go into retrograde, it feels like the chi is doing this. It's reversing. So people feel like they're spinning their wheels or they're running in place. We start to see creative driving like we didn't see before. We hear more sirens going on than before. We see and experience childhood illnesses surfacing from deep inside. 
But the neat thing that really happens is that the right creative hemisphere of the brain starts firing like crazy and we get all these great ideas. But any decent astrologist will tell you, don't start something new during this time or you'll have to repeat it. Good time to have good ideas and write them down but not necessarily to start them until Mercury goes back to direct or what we call the Yang cycle. So Tai Chi Gong, if I'm practicing these exercises 20 to 40 minutes a day, what I observe is I'm aware of these cycles more and I'm more detached at the same time. And I am neutralizing the effects of the shifts of retrograde to direct, Dennis. Mm, mm, mm. Well, you know what's funny about the Mercury retrograde? Because I'm born under a Mercury retrograde. I don't actually get a lot of the effects that people complain about. The typical, of, oh, this is going wrong and my computer won't mm -hmm. work and blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, I was born with Mercury retrograde. So this mm -hmm. is... Uh, I actually, it actually is a good pocket of time for me. It's wonderful. And the more spiritual you are, you love this. And back to the money thing. And, you know, basic concept is we see money as energy in the Lama Series. It's a form of energy, right? It can be a, a low form of energy or a high form of energy, right? Absolutely. So the point, the point being is, is that we should be prospering enough as spiritual conscious beings so that when we hit retrograde, we are spending more time with family. We are spending more time on retreats. We are spending more time in prayer and meditation. The anxiety of the world still mostly coming out of that poverty mindset. See, one of the greatest sins that was sold through our Judean Christian teachings was that affects a lot of the Western hemispheres. See, whether people are Christian or not Christian, most of us have been influenced by those teachings greatly. And the problem is, is that they're, they're not all accurate. And the, and the most, the, the two, two biggest robs that the church has taught people that are totally inaccurate, that I believe is a incredible disservice to humanity is these two I'm going to reveal now. Number one, that Christ was poor. Biggest lie on the planet. Now think about this. Lama Seri's been around 3,000 years. We have rubbed elbows with magistrates from every country and every age. Now, if I'm of royalty, and let's say I'm getting ready to go meet a new prince or a new king. Am I going to go there empty handed or am I going to go there out of all respect and bring something nice, wealthy to praise that new prince or that new king or queen? Right. Everybody knows what the answer is to that. Then why this being being not only prophesied by Hebrew prophecy, but also the Lamasary had its own prophecy about this incredible being. And the Magi were trained in our order, and they brought him a wealth of three kings. Okay. 
Now, if they understood that, because all they have to do is then look at who Joseph was, which we know Joseph was the custodian of this being of bloodline all the way back to a king himself called King David, 14 generations. But if we do more than superficial research, we'll understand that Joseph's family bloodline had four or five generations of understanding how to manage money. They were landlords and they were builders and they were physically responsible with money. So that wasn't by accident that he was the custodian of Christ. So that's a big lie. And that lie, think of how many people that lie has influenced that you and me are still trying to wake these people up. Now, go. here's the other lie. Where was Christ from the time in the temple at 13 till he's being baptized by his cousin in the River Jordan at 30? Wouldn't, if we knew where he was for 17 years, it might be important. Not only would that be important, but what was he doing? Because if I can't relate to this person, it's really easy to put the eye of the needle and make it small. But in the gospel of John, it's kind of, the cat's kind of let out of the bat. And by the way, the lamasery has total records of where this being was for those 17 years, because as I told you before, the Magi were trained by our order, right? So he, uh, John says, I saw the master grow from grace to grace. That means the being was working on himself. That means he was going through transformation. That means he might have been aware at puberty a little bit who he was, but at 24, he was fully aware of who he was. But what happened in those 11 years? What happened with him going to the Middle East and to the Far East? What happens if the world knew that he was in India and that he was in Egypt, and he was reading all the holy books of all the other religions, and that he was practicing meditation and doing all those things. And when he learned all this stuff, where does he go back home first to? And by the way, he doesn't return home until he's 27, 28 years old. So he returns home. And where does he go? Well, let's look at Mother Mary's side of the equation. I told you about Joseph's lineage. Where was the mother's lineage? Well, the mother's lineage, her mother was named Anna. And Anna was four generation connected to a mystical spiritual group that had been around for 300 years called the Essenes, of which John the Baptist was the high priest of the Essenes, when his cousin comes back. And so he first goes to the Essenes and said, guess what? Let me share with you what I've learned for the last 12 to 13 years. And who gets the spiritual truths first? Who deserved it? Who had been working toward that? The mystical group, the Essenes. So then they get more enlightened. Then Joseph passes away and the next thing you know, it's time for Jesus to get ready for his 
open ministry. Now, most of all the apostles were with him, as we know, for about three years. But one apostle, John the Beloved, was with Jesus that whole time. So Joseph, John, Melchior, who was the head of the Magi, was still with them all the way there, saw him go through all this training, all this experience. And this is why when Master Rabbi Jesus is on the foot of the cross, there are two women. There's Mary Magdalene, Mother Mary, and only one male apostle there. Who was it? John the Beloved. Because this not only was his master and his mentor, this was his best friend of his whole life. He was not about, even Andrew and Peter would turn their back on the master, but he wasn't going to turn his back on the master. So he's at the foot of the cross with the two women because the three of them are the only three that had enough spiritual character, which is really important, to stand steadfast by this great being. Now, when you understand these few things I've shared with you, then you understand what you asked me earlier, why you and me are so challenged to teach children of light that money is okay. And that is part of the biggest reason, Dennis. All righty then. Okay, good, nice, good, long history lesson. That's cool. So, <laughs> I, you know, listening to all this, I'm, I'm, it always, I'm always wondering with everybody, but especially with you, what, what drew you into this journey? I mean, you know, we were all born and, and we're going to do something. And you talked about going away on a retreat at 19. So what, what drew you towards this? Well, it was kind of happenstance, to be really honest with you. Okay, so when I'm on the operating table in 1968 and I'm having that out-of-the-body experience, what I didn't share was my body stopped functioning twice on the operating table. And I did not know until years later on the mountaintop in Tibet, when I was meditating 45 years, that I was the cause of my body stop. So even though I was this 12-year-old, we all know in soul and spirit, we're ageless, right? So you get out of the body. If you've ever talked to anybody that's had an out-of-body experience, they will tell you five or 10 minutes on the other side is like four years of college when it comes to the education. As far as I can tell, I was out for most of that four and a half hours, but I was out enough to know that when the body stopped, the Lama put his hand on my shoulder and says, you got to go back. And I looked at the Lama like he was crazy. I said, you're kidding, right? I have been suffering in this body constantly for two years with my kidneys dissolving based on uric acid poisoning and not working that I sometimes couldn't even take a whiz without feeling like somebody stabbed me with a knife. And with that body, you think I'm going to take my spirit and soul and put it into that lifeless piece of clay now? And then he put his hand on me. And when I did, I had this supercharged energy experience. He says, but you came 
to do something important and you actually chose you got to wake up, Rasaji, but first you got to wake up this body, right? And then I heard that part of scripture where Moses says, I stand before you, you must choose. Will it be life or will it be death? I found out at 12 years old, Dennis, one of the most profound things that we have this bloodline from our mom and dad, and we all know it goes back many, many generations. And in that DNA, cells die and cells are reborn. We have several trillion cells in the body, but millions, almost billions are dying daily. And never is there a cell in our body older than seven years. Molecularly, we're never more than 11 months old. But outside this body, I consciously knew that man's DNA and God's DNA are not the same. Man's way and God's way is not the same. Man's law and God's law are not the same. When we've gotten a good example of somebody that understands that, they call them a priest of righteousness. And the word righteousness in the lamasery is explained as right use of God's law. Okay, so who was a good example of that? Enoch. So let's look at Enoch. Enoch was supposed to have fathered the oldest mortal in scripture, who was Methuselah, who lived 969 years. And according to scripture, his father, Enoch, fathered him at 65 years old. Well, You don't see a lot of people today that are fertile enough to father a child at 65. Now, I fathered my youngest child at 54, which is not bad, but it's not 65. And I studied with an Ayurveda master in India that fathered his youngest child at 72. So I know the possibilities. But watch what happened. It said, because He was favorable to God's law and a priest of righteousness that Enoch lived 365 years in the physical body, and he did not taste death. God took him. And then later it talks about in Hebrews how Paul is connecting the dots of the Old and New Testament, Abraham, Melchizedek, Enoch, Christ Jesus, he's trying to connect the dots. And who is Paul's final epistle to? Hebrews. And who were they? They were the sons and daughters of the Pharisees in the Sanhedrin, of which, if we remember, so was he when he was persecuting early Christians in the beginning. So think of how all this begins to connect. It's profound how, see, see, people who are the opposite of what you and me are trying to teach, Dennis, they're trying to separate the world. See, darkness in the world, or you can call it imbalanced in the world, whatever you want to call it. If it's a Taoist concept, it's more imbalanced. If it's a Judean, it's probably dark. They're trying to separate us. See, it's funny because real spirituality, we're spirit beings having a physical 
experience, right? We, it must be important or why would we have come? And now ask ourselves, why would we have come this time? And why would people like you and me be brothers in the light or hooking up left and right? Because real spirituality is about bringing people together. It's not about dividing us apart. And it's really easy to find where people hang their lanterns. And that is watch them. Because if if they're enlightened, light's coming out of their eyes. If they're full of spirit, you can see it on their face, just like Moses coming down from Mount Sinai when he saw the burning bush. And, and they said he'd seen God, right? They also, when you sit down with them, they will feel really good to be around. When they're not, you feel like you need to get up and get the heck out of there in a hurry. It's not hard if you spend enough time nurturing your spirit and your soul to identify who are of light and who want to bring God's people together. Religion or no religion, we're all spiritual beings and we're all brothers and sisters of light, Dennis. Absolutely. So you you get you came to this uh, through an out-of-body experience. Very, very interesting. You know, I, I never had a really outer-body experience, but I definitely was aware of certain abilities and certain consciousnesses and certain energies early on. I was able to uh, tell about my clairaudience and my telepathic abilities and things. And so that kind of was an early indicator of what what in the world's going on here. Um, and so I just kind of followed the trail, of course, through years and personal development, kind of still following that trail. Even if I got off of it for a while, I sniffed and found my way back, I guess. So, <laughs> you know, so we're, we're about to close out here because we're about reaching that that uh, the top of the hour there. But I, I want you to be able to give uh, a review of how do people get in touch with you, your website and things like that. Sure, absolutely. If uh, and I can send you the link, uh, but you, um, uh, if you'll just email me at risaji at risaji it's a GoDaddy email, so it's r a s a j i at r a s a j i dot com. You can, uh, and we can keep it also in touch with each other, Dennis. That's an easy way. People can go right to my website, which is like my email, but it's just risaji.com and automatically get the circle of life for free, become a part of the circle of life community for free. They get, we don't inundate people with uh, emails, but we send out one uh, early in the morning with the message of the day, trying to inspire people and motivate people just like yourself. And, um, and then from there, as they get in touch with us, they can decide what they want to do. You know, how deeply do they want to go down the rabbit hole? Because I tell people, this Tai Chi Gong is an inside game. It's not an outside game. It's an inside game. And as people look in the mirror, they will always do to the degree what they see when they look in the mirror. And they will do no more or no less. If they want to improve their life, they need to improve what they see in the mirror and how they react 
to what they see. And that changes everything. Mm. What do you see in the mirror and how do you react to what you see in the mirror? Mm. Yes, sir. Profound. Well, thank you, Master Lama, for coming on the program today. Certainly was a deep dive in um, the spiritual history and your own history. Um, and so I appreciate you coming on the program and, and we'll have you back to get in specifically into some deeper things too. maybe Good. focus on a particular topics because we kind of had an overview today. Good. Uh, I love to Dennis has been an honor and look forward to getting to know you and do anything I can do to help your audience. I definitely appreciate that, sir. Take care of yourself. God bless to all. If you'd like to be a guest on Core Confidence Life to share your talents, resources, or life lessons, just go to cclpodcast.com. That's cclpodcast.com and click on Be a Guest.